0: Well, my name is Jason Weatherholt. I'm the Family Life Minister here at Windsor Road. And this is uh, one of my favorite people in the world. This is Katie McGrew. And uh, Katie was a teenager in our youth group uh, about seven years ago when we came to serve at Windsor Road and uh, sparked a great relationship and it has been a pleasure to watch her grow in her faith uh, over the years. Now she and her sister are in college and still volunteering here, still committed to what's going on. And, uh, and so we wanted to just chat a little bit. Uh, about uh, what has helped Katie uh, along the way. Um, So, uh, you know, you've been through a building program here at Windsor Road before, right? As a kid. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience there? Um.
1: Uh, Okay, so this building was built um, probably when I was in second or third grade. And um, I remember we were all super excited that we were going to get a new church. um, And... Uh, they gave each kid a little uh, square tile, um, and then they had us paint our picture for the new church on it. And um, we all got super into it, and then they took all the tiles and they put them on a um, little square, uh, like a wall outside the nursery, and that was our way to be involved um, in what this church was. And I just remember that we were all super excited. And, um, but it was kind of a bummer because there was like a playground pretty much right in the middle of the sanctuary and they had to tear it down in order to build the sanctuary. And so that was a little rough, but, um, obviously we all got through it. (laughs)
0: That's awesome. How would you say that Windsor Road has shaped you along the way in your, in your faith and your growth?
1: Um, well, I've pretty much been here my whole life, so it's kind of just been, um, a way to help me grow in my walk with God. Um, and, uh, who I am in Christ, um, I remember from the time I was in what's now the green room, uh, it was my, like, three-year-old classroom, and, uh, uh Mr. Tom and Miss Nancy were my, uh, um, Sunday school leaders, and I just remember that, um, I was so excited to go every day and, uh, do arts and crafts and, um, learn about God, and it just kind of has grown from there, um, just through elementary school and, um, then through high school with my awesome D group leaders and um, just the encouragement I've had there um, even now as a college student um, all of the older people here in the church that encourage me and um, remind me what it means to be strong in my faith and what it means to have my identity in Christ
0: so yeah. Yeah. it's interesting here you talk about your uh, how formative your kids' classes were and your small groups and all that talk a little bit about how you're involved around here now as a volunteer
1: <laughs> sure um, I do a couple different things. I uh, lead a small group with some awesome people. Um, and uh, I play drums in the band. You might have seen me up here before doing that. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite things that I do here is on Sunday mornings, I uh, lead class in the nursery. And um, they are the smallest members of our congregation, but I think the coolest. Um, so uh, they're all under the age of two. Um, But every week, uh, we teach them a Bible story and remind them that Jesus loves them. And one of the coolest things I see is um, we have song time, but obviously one-and-a-half-year-olds can't speak. So uh, we give each of them a little egg shaker, and uh, we sing some songs about, I mean, your typical songs that you sing little kids, like Jesus loves me and all those things, and they get so excited. Just to, you know, shake the shaker and um, cheer and say, yeah, Jesus loves me. And seeing little kids say, Jesus, Jesus, it's like the coolest thing ever.
0: That's awesome. You know, it's interesting to see kind of what happens when um, volunteers who love kids who are involved and pour into their classes and... Uh, small group leaders who love on their high school students and all of that, and then what happens as they grow up. It's pretty cool to see. Um, What has challenged you to go all in 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 your faith along the way?
1: Um, I feel like just seeing the examples of the people in this church and how um, amazingly committed um, people are to living out the gospel in their lives and uh, just um, being all in for Christ no matter what, I think that's uh, been something super cool and super inspiring for me to have me want to do that. Um, And, I mean, and then you have to think about the sacrifice that Jesus made. Like, who wouldn't want to be all in with a Savior that died on the cross for you? With a friend that's there, like, no matter what. So, that's, I mean... What I always think about. So very
0: cool. Well, t- let's do one last thing here. Um, I'd love for you to challenge us a little bit. You know, you have a unique perspective, having been uh, a kid who went through a building program, um, being a college student now. You know, sometimes it's easy for people to say, "Well, I uh, I don't have kids, so this doesn't apply to me," or "I'm am a college kid and I don't have any money, so this doesn't apply to me." Um, but challenge us a little bit uh, about why you think this is important and, and why this is. Uh, beyond any small piece of the puzzle that one of us has
1: uh sure um one thing i've kind of learned talking to people and um just being around uh the leadership of um this initiative is yeah we're trying to build a new building so we need money but this is not about the money this is about us being a community and this community is all of the families um but it's the college students, too. Um, I have so many friends that come here, and they're like, I love coming to Windsor because you guys just care so much about us, even though we're not here all the time. And I think that's something um, that's super cool that's happening here. Um, but for college students especially, I challenge you to um, volunteer. I mean, yeah, you might not have, like, vast amounts of time, but, and I'm sure you don't have vast amounts of money if you're anything like me, but... Um, <laughs> It's, I mean, you could come on Sunday morning for an extra service and hang out with little kids. I mean, or the high schoolers. I know as a kid who grew up here in this college town, college kids are like the coolest things ever. So if any college student would hang out with me when I was little, I thought it was super awesome. So just getting involved and not being afraid to let this be your church home. um, Because there are so many people out here that care about you and who you are. Um, so, just allow them to pour into you. Allow them to um, be your mentors and to kind of guide you along in your path, I think is super important. Um, allow this to kind of be your home away from home, is what I would say to all of you college students. So,
0: Very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, Katie. Appreciate your time.
2: Good morning. Okay, I have my notes here because if I don't stick to them, I could who knows what'll happen. So, hi, I'm Sue Gray, and this is my husband Tom Gray. And about 6 years ago, I found myself on a regular basis sitting in a church pew on a Sunday all alone, no kids, no husband. Just me and a lot of people I didn't know. And this was the church that I grew up in. Ugh. There I was, just hoping that the message this week would be the one to fill me up. I always felt empty and felt like I was constantly searching for more. I just knew in my heart that this was not where I was supposed to be. Thankfully, God put amazing people in my life who listened to my concerns about not being connected with God like I wanted to be. There was Kendra and Bruce and Mary Vita, Therese, Mary, Lynn, John. They all went to this church they just loved, Windsor Road. So I thought, why not? I went one Sunday, sat quietly in the back, and before the first song was over, here we go, the tears were running down my cheeks Sue, stop crying people will think you are a big weirdo I couldn't help it the worship, worship music meant something then Randy preached every word went right to my heart I was home thank you Lord but I was still all alone I wondered if Tom would come with me, and I asked, "Lord, will he come?" And I heard his whisper in my ear, "Just keep coming." So I did, and I guess you can bet you can guess what happened next.
3: Here I am. First, I'm going to go off script. Sorry, Randy. Um, this alone is a miracle just for us being up here having this discussion. Uh, The reason for that is um, I used to be all in. I used to be all into what I could control, what I could manage, what belonged to me, what was mine, yada, yada, yada. I just, I I grew up kind of in a church where I didn't uh, ever hear a message. I don't remember opening a Bible. Uh, There wasn't really faith in our family, so I didn't grow up with that. Um, So matter of fact, the closest thing I was ever to uh, Christ or God is uh, 12 years old. I was in a car accident and had my last rites given to me. So, so I got that going for me, right? All right. And Randy, it's one less thing you have to do for me later in my life, okay? Yeah, there's, there's no booster shot or anything, okay? All right. So I went to church as I got older, went with Sue, and then eventually I kind of walked away from that, um, uh, it, it just didn't seem like I was getting the Jesus fuel I needed every day, much less what I needed to get from week to week. Um, God, God had some different plans for me at that point. Six years ago, um, Sue said she was going to go church shopping. Um, I didn't know what church shopping meant, uh, which I thought I was going to spend a lot of money here, because she's really good at the shopping part. So, <laughs> so, uh, so, so here we are. She went church shopping. And uh, she brought me here, and I sit, I sit for the uh, first time and uh, listen to Randy, Brother Randy. And uh, the message was powerful, and, and it struck me, and I thought, yeah, I'll come back next week, yeah, I'll come back the next week. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm coming, I, you know, the walls, I was weakening. I, I was kind of melting, and, and uh, I'm one of those people, I'm in business, so I think uh, I always want to take, I'll take baby steps, don't worry about it, we'll get there eventually, um, because at least I still had control. And uh, God had different plans. Um, so, in our church, there was people who asked us to be a part of their small group. And I gracefully uh, gracefully declined because it wasn't just something, I thought it was too big of a step for us. And um, then Sue goes, hey, uh, John and Lynn Peisker asked us to be a part of their small group. And um, I didn't say no to Sue, I mean, you know. I would have gotten in trouble, so I didn't say no, and I decided to go, and then we, we get in, you know, we go to the house where the small group's happening, and, and I thought, okay, we'll give it a try, because we're actually being tested, right, and anybody get interviewed in their small group, so so we're being kind of tested, and then I see, a lot, uh, you know, uh, John and Lynn were there, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of overwhelmed, a little intimidated, because uh, John's an elder, and then uh, then there was Carl and Joy Weagle and uh, Joyce, I'm sorry, and then uh, a little overwhelmed, because, you know, he's an elder, and and uh, there's uh, the Holsteins, you know, Deb and Steve, and they're on fire with their faith. Uh, Carol, Gary, I mean, uh, you know, in charge of the uh, Celebrate Ministries. So I'm just totally intimidated here. I'm, I'm way out of my league, and I'm thinking, okay, this probably won't last long. And then walks in the door, Randy and Sarah Bolting House. <laughs> okay, now at this point, I'm not intimidated anymore. I'm just scared to death. <laughs> okay, I mean, wouldn't you be? Come on. Everybody say, yeah, okay, that's yeah. it. So, um, so, but God had different plans for me. And then there was the weekend of service, the first weekend of service, and uh, I got asked to be a part of that committee. And uh, why it wasn't because I was on fire in my faith is because I was the safety guy. I mean, that's what I do for a living. So, so I was kind of asked to be a part of that. But it really, really, my faith started growing just from that alone because I watched uh, Lynn just do this amazing job and work through Christ. And faith, and then I went out to the sites, and everybody was doing everything in the name of God, and uh, it it just um, um, how did uh, Katie put it? Super awesome! It was super awesome, right? Um, then we came back to the church, and uh, Katie, where's Katie? Is Katie out here? Hi, Katie. Who? Katie, you rock! All right. So there, her and her band just started rocking. Well, before that happened, I was standing right over here. And Katie and a couple other people, we were in a circle, we were getting ready to pray. And you have to remember, I've never prayed out loud in front of anyone unless everybody said the same prayer together, right? So it, it was going around the circle, and it was coming to me, and I was thinking, pass. <laughs> but I didn't. I, I prayed out loud for the first time. Katie started playing, and then next thing I know, my hand's up in the air, and I'm praising God for what he was doing in my life. And uh, it was... Um, uh, it, it just took me. Um, because I asked God, what do I do now? And, and, and God says, I've got you. Well, God had other plans for me. <laughs> and uh, my life changed. Matter of fact, right here, uh, 12, 13, 2009, Brother Randy took me into the water, and I gave my life to Christ. All right, 10 a.m., maybe 10.05, give or take a couple minutes. Um, today I'm all in. And it started with uh, the love of my wife, who knew I needed Christ. She knew what I needed. She knew I needed to be a husband, a father, you know, a man in Christ. I've, I've learned a lot. Um, I need to learn a lot more. Um, but I want to thank my wife. I want to thank my family. I want to thank my small group. Um, I want to thank my church. Uh, I, I want to thank and praise God for being there for me when I wasn't there for him. I'm all in.
2: So here we are, going to small group, best group ever, just saying. Um, Church on Sunday, we're volunteering at church, it is awesome. I still can't believe that Tom got baptized before me, really, really. But I made that same decision um, the following May, and it was the day after the marathon, and I had just done the half marathon, and I said, Randy, make sure I don't sink, (laughs) because I have no legs at this point. Oh, well, the best part is, is we both gave our life to Christ. The other day I read this verse, and it says something to me about our lives since we did come to Christ. It's Psalm 40, verse 5. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done the things you planned for us, none can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. That is life-changing, and I am passionately pursuing Christ. God has been all in in our lives, bringing us to this point, and that is why we choose to be all in here at Windsor Road to see where God leads us next.
4: That's how we do church. Amen. Yeah. Wow. That is. I, I I just feel so fortunate to get to be your pastor, and Katie's just so wonderful to hear your uh, faith story and interview with Jason and Tom and Sue. Thank you so much. It's uh, what a what a journey this has been, and we've just really started. You know, we've just really started. Um, A few weeks ago, I heard about the story of a woman named Joy Johnson. Joy Johnson. Joy Johnson had a thing that she used to say, uh, which was this, I want to die running. I want to die running. Joy Johnson. Joy Johnson, 86 years old, a marathoner. I want to die running. Earlier this month, Joy finished her 25th New York City Marathon. Uh, She did it in just under eight hours, seven hours, 57 minutes and change. Uh, She fell around mile 16, got up, you know, wiped the scrape off her face and all and kept moving. And she finished. And, and the next morning, Monday morning, she woke up and she did what had become her New York City Marathon routine. She got up and she stood outside the television studios of the Today Show and she spoke with Al Roker, who all, would always find her, it was her 25th year. And so they would always say a few words and she stood outside the Today Show studios Greeted Al, showed her medal to him, and they spoke for a little bit because he found her and uh, they had a little conversation on the air and all that. And uh, a few minutes after that, the interview, Joy Johnson collapsed and died. Monday morning. Ran that marathon on Sunday. Monday morning, she collapsed and died. I want to die running. That's what she said. On her kitchen wall was a verse that she often recited from the prophet Isaiah. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I want to die running. What do you want to die doing? What do you want to die doing? I want to die on Monday after preaching the gospel on Sunday. I want to die on Monday after dedicating a Habitat for Humanity house. I want to die on Monday after taking a missions trip to Haiti. I want to die on Monday after a Christ-glorifying gospel-centered service on Sunday. I want to die on Monday after baptizing 19 people at the Y on Sunday. I want to die on Monday after mentoring a kindergartner for school readiness. I want to die on Monday after seeing a family life ministry explode with godly young men and women. I want to die on Monday pastoring a life-changing community, passionately pursuing Christ. That's what I'd like. What do you want to die doing? What is it? Acts chapter 13, verse 36, speaks of David. And it says this, that David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep. Because what else is there to do after you serve the purposes of God in your generation? And God has put us here at this place and at this time, in this season, for his purposes. And we are here to fulfill those purposes. And we are about to ask God to do Uh, immeasurably more than we can even ask or imagine. We are asking him to help us die daily. We are asking him to give us the courage to take up our cross and follow him. We are asking him to make us ready as a spiritual community for the people that he is going to be sending in the days to come. We are asking him to deepen our faith so that we can give a reason for the hope within us. We are asking him to help us slay some idols. What idols in your life need to be killed and put to death? We're asking him to do that. And we're asking him to give us the strength to be selfless and to give us the joy of being other-centered. We're asking him to let his one-way love flow from his hands through our lives to the people that he's called us to love. That's what we're asking him to do. We're asking him to give us the gift of faith, the gift of faith, Because this all-in journey that God is calling us requires just that, faith. Not a blind leap in the dark, but a decision based on evidence. And when I think about that, I can't help but think of uh, that momentous event in the life of Israel's history. That's recorded in Joshua chapter 3 and 4 when God's people traversed the Jordan River and entered the promised land. Now, the Jordan River is typically a, a, a creek, probably no wider than this isle here, typically during the year, except during the rainy season. And in the rainy season, this may be, maybe, maybe three-foot creek, becomes swelled uh, to about 10 to 12 feet uh, deep and about 140 feet wide. And it becomes a pretty swift, raging, dangerous current. And it is at that place where God wanted his people to cross. And so what he told his people to do is prepare yourself and I want the priests to take the Ark of the Covenant... And I want them to lead the nation. And the nation will follow. And they are to cross this river. And God said, here's here's how it's going to play out. Uh, When the toes of the priest touch the water, that's when the river will dry up and you will walk on dry ground. Not 100 yards out, not 50 yards out. But when the toes of the priest touch the water, that's when the waters are going to part, all right? And God's people, they've had a history of evidence of God's faithfulness, uh, ranging from the plagues inflicted on Pharaoh uh, to the parting of the Red Sea to his provision of them in the wilderness. So they've got to make a decision based on evidence. But that river is not drying up until The priests get their feet wet. Can you imagine being the very first priest in line holding the ark as you're marching toward that river? You're going straight ahead and that river is either going to open up or it's not. Can you imagine being the first priest in line there? I think his name was Randy. (laughs) Who gets a front row seat. I mean a front row seat at watching the mighty works of God. And guess what happened in Joshua chapter 3. The scripture tells us that as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, the river was cut off. And the priests entered on dry ground. How's that? It's, it's God. That's how that is. And, and, and the scripture says that they stayed, those, those priests stayed in the middle of the, of the Jordan River there. They stayed right there in the, in the middle of the, of, the, of the dry ground of the river while the people passed by them. So there's the ark in the center of the river and the nation is passing by. You imagine what the priests were saying at that time. He did it, telling God's people. He did it, we can trust him. He'll, and he'll continue to do it. He'll continue to do it. He did it, what a God we serve. Amazing, amazing. There it was. So I'm asking you to take one of these poles, hoist it up on your shoulder join me and let's get our feet wet, asking God to give us the faith to step into a future that he's calling us as a church. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Would you take your commitment card here? Maybe you have already got it prepared and you're um, you're ready to give it to the Lord. And now's the time to do that. I want you to open it up. And you've heard me in the past several weeks just talk about you know how this is being completed. And you've heard me talk about uh, you know what you normally give in a year to your church family, and you've heard me. Uh, challenge you about your expanded annual generosity for All In and you've heard me ask you to factor that by two for the next two years and then you've heard me talk about any, any resources, any stored resources that you have and then to place your number here, my two year All In generosity commitment and your contact information. I want you to take that card and I want you to just look at that amount that you have and and I just want you to pray here. I want you to pray God would you please take this gift, this alabaster jar that we're breaking and would you please be pleased with the aroma of your people and multiply this as Jesus did the bread and the loaves so that people we haven't even met yet will be blessed by your life through our life. I'm going to ask you to just pray. Pray about what God is doing through you now. And I want you to pray about what you are hoping he will do through his people here at Windsor Road. We're going to pray together silently here for a few minutes. And then Katie will invite us to give our cards to God.
5: So I will give to you my everything. Our
6: digits All we want to do is retreat. We've all stepped up to the stream and heard the current of voices rushing through our head that make our leads forsake his dreams for the sake of our screams. He couldn't have met me, we hear ourselves saying. I'm too weak, too ignorant, too meek, too indifferent. I'm too sinful, too lost, too sinful for this cause. I'm a lawbreaker, God traitor. I'm not fit to do this noble labor. And God looks down upon us, wild excuse makers, and says, no, you may not be great, but I and you is something greater. And that's when we start to remember when we received our call that dream within our depths with, with which we are enthralled, and how for such a purpose, God has withdrawn us away from the normalcy which formerly charmed us. How we left those idols to which we used to bow. As did the prophet, the farmer's life disavowed. In a holy act of sacrifice, we too took up our sacred cows and left them behind, burning on the plows. Now here we stand, our toes soaking in the Jordan, God's mighty cloak in our hand, His power, our fortune. This river is our proving ground to test whether or not our calling is certain. Our purpose lies on the opposite shore, where we stand sits complacency and boredom. Now you may tend to feel burden, but remember you don't fight this battle with your own strength, but with His, whose victory is already determined. The waves may be weighty, but his power is weightier. The doubts may be binding, but he will be your vindicator. The torrent may be rushing, but he will be your savior. The call you received may be great, but he who shall accomplish it is far greater. Now take up your cloak, and with all the strength that you can squander, lay everything down and strike the water. God himself will be your partner as the waters begin their departure. Your waves of guilt and apathy will turn to walls of his adequacy. Your floods of fear and doubt will turn to ramparts of Jehovah's shouts. And stretched out before you, there will be not a raging sea of worry as there was hitherto, but a solid path of confidence and will make solid prints of providence as you march on to what you were born to do. So to all of you sick of playing it safe, getting by on good behavior, God is saying to you that he has something far greater. To all of you dreamers disillusioned by the desire to be a world changer, God is saying to you that he has something far greater. To all of us Christians who want Christ but not his cross, just want him as our savior, he is saying that he has something greater. He is saying, lay down your lives for the life of your neighbor. Give in to the demands of enemies and of strangers. Be the world's lover, though they be your hater. Sacrifice your bodies, not just your behavior. He is saying, show love in your flesh, not just your Bible's paper. Be the shattering of rods and the yoke breaker. Make allies with weakness and be power's traitor. Develop a distaste for strength, while meekness you shall savor. He is saying, be a peacemaker, suffering saver. Forgiveness curator, justice laborer, grace vindicator, true love translator. And his people will answer. We will burn the plows, strike the water. We will be the good life slayer. We will be a church unsatisfied with being great, but we'll make ourselves nothing to make him something greater.